Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I've never even given that a, like a, a thought. Again, we live in Bali, so we ride scooters, so we're rarely getting into car, <laughs> rarely getting into cars. It'd be weird to um, see it. I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll use it in Bali terms. If she was riding the scooter and I was on the back, I'd have a hard time. Yeah, so what, yeah, what I have you? a really hard time. I'd feel very emasculated. Why? I just, I don't know. Again, it's just conditioning. I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and this is The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. As with every season, I invite at least one male guest. And for this episode, I wanted to look at dating women. And for something a little different, I wanted to look at it from a straight man and a gay woman's perspective to see what similarities and differences there may be. And I really wanted to take a hard look at notions of responsibilities for the other person's feelings, traditions, the idea of chivalry versus feminism, and the one we all love, breakups. I chose my main guest, Ben Kelly, because not only is he a great friend, but he's very successful and, you know, because of his good looks, has not had exactly too many dry spells in dating, which I knew would lead to some great banter. As you'll hear in this episode, Ben is quite in tune and quite philosophical with how he responds and approaches these topics, so I knew he'd be open and forthcoming. And while I was at it, I thought, what a wonderful idea. I'll test the strength of my marriage and invite my wife Lisa on to talk about her past for the contrasting view. Lisa and Ben, thank you both so much for being here today. You're welcome. I'm here every day. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me while I'm in town. All right. So we're going to kick off with rapid fire. And Lisa, ladies first, you're going to go first. Thank you. What's your favorite cocktail? Definitely an old fashioned with Ron's a cap of rum. Ooh, I don't mind an espresso martini. Who was your first heartbreak? Miss Jeffries, my year eight geography teacher. She just never knew. <laughs> she just never knew. Never knew what she did. <laughs> Broke my heart. <laughs> I don't really feel like I've had one. I've definitely had some some big ego dents, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say I've had too many heartbreaks. I think I've been pretty fortunate when it comes to that. Worst breakup or ending of a fling experience? was having a fling dating thing with a girl and rocked up to a party with her and she left with someone else. Mm. Um, well, I dated, 
I dated this woman for a while and I put her quite on a, on a, on a lofty pedestal. And I think my expectations around kind of what I wanted from her were, were exaggerated a touch. And uh, when it didn't play out exactly the way I thought, um, yeah, it left me wondering. I think, I think as well at the same time as I, 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 I think I, uh, gave over a little bit of my authenticity trying to get that outcome. And I think that that was the biggest thing that made me a bit pained was the fact that I, the, the outcome that I wanted didn't come and I gave over my authenticity at the same time. So that was probably one of the biggest disappointing ones for me. Worst experience with a woman when out in a bar? Um, probably introducing myself to someone I'd made out with a few weeks prior. <laughs> I feel like we need to delve into uh, Lisa's No, Lisa's we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> like, oh, this is too cut off already. Um, yeah, I've been, I, I was single for seven years, so I've had a fair few. Um, nothing I feel too, too bad that I can remember, no. I'm sure it's going to come up throughout yeah, the rest of do. this conversation. Yeah. Okay, last one. Most random date you've ever had? Um... Not super random for like objectively, but I guess I took someone to the Chinese gardens in the city. I, I don't care for gardens and I've never really had an affinity with Chinese history or culture, but I thought that would be something cute. It wasn't. Thank God she never took me there. Go, Ben. Most random date. Oh. You don't take people on dates, do you? No, my, I mean, again, we might touch on this. It's like my ideal. I, I kind of went in things with... with uh, Low sort of, well, no agendas a lot of the time. Um, it sounds I think like I'd be hanging, I, I kind of saw like I'm, I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to be hanging out, I may as well hang out with someone and, and catch up. And so, I don't know, a lot of times what people would consider a date, I'd just consider hanging out with someone. Yeah, all women hearing this would be like, sounds like minimal effort. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of, maybe a little bit, I'd take it in my stride, yeah. Okay, so I've got you both on because I feel that, well, I don't feel, I know you've both dated a number of women. Um, you've certainly enjoyed the single life, but you both also have a respect for women, I would say. Lisa, of course, you are a woman, so I goddamn hope so. And Ben, <laughs> you have grown up in a household dominated by women with three sisters. Um, and I thought it would be a really interesting topic to tackle with the nuance of those conversations contrasting perspectives so of course we're going to dive straight in and for those who are listening or new to the podcast every time I refer to Lisa she is my wife so I'm sure this is going to be a bit of a therapy session as we go learning experience for the both of us <laughs> yes being very open and authentic in Ben's words yeah, so I'm excited to just watch on with that whole thing <laughs> unraveling ben, Ben's going to get our therapy bill by the end of the session okay so let's be honest um straight away diving in dating do we owe others respect when we have a one-night stand or a fling? You can go first, Ben. Well, I think people in general need respect. I mean, again, it's, it's super subjective. You could be attending to things in your manner of which you think is respectful and someone with all their experiences prior that you had nothing to do with, that you know nothing about, led them to this experience that they're having. And, uh, you know, it's these days you could be acting in a certain way that you think is respectful, but someone else could easily feel is not. So do you think you've always been respectful for when you've had one night stand? I think I've, I mean, I don't think so. No. I, I mean, at the, at, at the end of the day, I got asked by someone the other, other day, uh, do you have any books on integrity or anything like that? And I think it's just those things are, are learned 
over time through experience, understanding the payoff and cost. And I think as you get older and you experience the payoff and cost of lacking integrity or lacking respect for people, you can then look back and go, you know what, maybe I wasn't in that point in time, but at that point in time and in whatever aspect of your life or whatever time in your life, you may have at that point in time not understood you know, the other person's side of things or felt like you were acting in accordance to what you think was respectful. And as you, as you get older, you start to see things differently, you start to learn more, you look back and go, you know what, I probably could have been better in that situation. Did I consciously go to work to disrespect people? No, but if we're being real, I, if I look back, I mean, I probably could have been better in times for sure. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get some, some written in notices of, I just got a story for you on him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Lise? Um, I'm in two minds. I, I kind of go between. So sometimes I think I, I liken it to uh, I'm inviting someone around for dinner. And so therefore, you know, they're my guest. And will I be respectful before, during and after dinner? Yes, because I've invited them over. But then other times I think I'm just not responsible for your feelings. And especially if I don't know you, it's early on, you know, you, I'm, I don't have an obligation to you as of yet. I've never committed or I've never said that I would otherwise. But I think there is a bar, like a, a minimum bar, and you just don't go under it in terms of treating someone poorly. When we were preparing for this, Lisa and I were having this chat and she goes, you don't get to ignore them once you've finished your meal. And I was like, it's such a simple analogy because I'm in a few, I would say, Facebook groups and um, you hear a lot of, I read a lot of the stories of women putting up and it's just like, he treated me like this and then this is what happened and he was horrible and then you've got all the women jumping on me like, it's not your fault, don't worry about it and it's quite interesting but so we don't veer off, let's keep going. I wonder if there's a like Facebook group where men are like, she treated me so bad, she did that, you know, we had sex and then, you know, she just she left, left, you know, <laughs> didn't call me. Okay, but... <laughs> I think one of the big things is just more thinking about when do we become responsible for other people's feelings? Because like, I think it is great to be respectful of other people, but is it our responsibility for how someone like experiences your either abruptness or not? Oh, no. No. You can't. You can't, you can't, you can't possibly, you know? I mean, there's been, there's, there's been times over the years, like, you know, hypothetically, you get a gauge for whether or not, you know, through your conversations with people, whether or not you're out to dinner or out to lunch or out to breakfast or whatever you're doing. And you can get a sense that maybe what they're searching for is a little bit differently, different than where you sit in time and life. And I think if you have an understanding of knowing that and you still go to navigate the, the interactions in a way where you have a desired outcome, knowing that it's completely not in alignment with what that person but okay, you're saying this really one, like you're saying this in a way and my, my thing that I want to quickly jump in on this is for those who have never seen Ben or have never uh, met Ben or anything like that, like you're a very handsome man and is what you're also saying that sometimes you just want to have a wonderful time and people come to you with expectations of like, oh, I want to make this man my boyfriend. Well, that's not, that's not all the time because quite often, um, you know, I've traveled a lot over the years. People kind of know that situation. It's like these guys just traveling. So they're most of the time, the expectations were super low, you know, and they were very healthy and no one felt that the engagement was anything other than what both parties thought was going to be the case. Mm. There has been times where I have met people and I've gotten engaged for the fact that maybe we want a bit more. So that's had to, that's, I've had to be a little bit more upfront on not assuming that they're going to be okay with 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 anything. Have you ever had to be really abrupt? 
No, I mean, there's been times where I've been out on a few dates with someone and after the few dates, you know, nothing's happened. We've just gone our separate ways after the few dates. And after the third one, I said, I was just saying goodbye. And they're like, well, why, why are you going home? You always just go home after you don't want to go get a drink or go party. And I said, to, and I said, no, I just, I had my heart set. I'm going, going home and having a quiet one. I've got a, a, a early morning. And uh, they were quite disappointed. I was like, look, I'm going home. I'm going to spend some time at home if you want to come back. I just want to let you know, and I'm saying this because I do actually like you. I really respect you and I care for you. I get the sense that maybe you're wanting something a little bit more, not necessarily for me, but you're at that point in time where you, you're looking for that. I'm maybe not at that point right now. So if you do, you know, say you want to come back, you want to come, you come, come home with me, uh, I'm just letting you know that. So we're clearing that. I don't want you to feel like... I've You're gonna have you. sex. Well, because I mean, I hate drama. Like I, I, I spent the last seven years relatively drama-free, um, except for maybe one occasion, and um, that's a good run over the year. I think just clear communication and sort of understanding where uh, people sit and what they're after and getting engaged for that is super important. So again, I just I don't like drama and I don't like messing people around and I just want everyone to be clear on what's going on. What about you? What was the question again? When do we become responsible for other people's feelings? When you choose to. Like, I, I really think that at the end of the day, as much as we will try and balance between being selfless and selfish, there will come a point where we will give a shit more about other people's feelings because we fundamentally care about them or we, you know, put value in them or something. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think there is in every relationship, whether it's sexual or friendship, there's a, always a balance between selfishness and selflessness. And so, you know, say like what Ben was saying, he doesn't want something serious. You just want like a fling, but you know, the other person wants a bit more, but do you have to be selfless and give up what you want, which is just casual sex. And maybe it's great because you're aware that they want something more, or can you just be selfish and say, well, I'll be honest, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do, even though I know exactly what you want, which is something completely different. So on, on speaking of that though, what about your thoughts on honesty at early dating stages? I'm I'm always in two minds about this and maybe because it's self-serving to be in two minds about it when it suits. But, yep, sometimes you can be honest. Um, but I think honesty can be horrible at the same time. I mean, if someone says, hey, like, do you want to hang out again? Last night was really great. In your mind, you're like, last night was terrible. You're boring as batshit. I don't want to see you again. You're not going to say that to someone. You're probably going to say something that's less hurtful or something that's more focused on you as a person, i.e. it's, you know, not you, it's me. Which so, is the worst line. Yeah. In and him. maybe sometimes it's true, but maybe a lot of the time it's not. Um, so I don't know. I think there is a place for honesty. I just don't think it's all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, well, honest with what I have gathered within the small limited amount of time that I've spent with this person, you know, because there's such a thing as delayed authenticity. Because if you don't have that, it's just basically judgment off of very little information. So again, that's probably, you know, with what you're saying that people would just go, you know, I'm not feeling you, you're this, that, and the other. Well, you're only engaging enough a small amount of time. So it's important to be able to go and, you know, construe information without feeling, oh, I need to be authentic. But at the same time, delayed authenticity with more information is, is what avoids you from being a super judgmental person. I completely agree. But I also think based on this honesty thing, there's the opposite. Whereas if you're intentionally dishonest in trying to get what you want, I think that's horrible. I mean, you hear some, and this is because I've got a legal background, you hear some interesting cases around consent where 
people have lied and said that they are Jewish to have sex with someone who is also Jewish. And then that's been deemed to have been a non-consensual act. So I think dishonesty can actually play a big role in those early stages if you're intentionally trying to lie to someone or deceive them. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's the biggest thing um, is that people, again, it's the payoff and cost, is that people think that there's a short-term gain from being dishonest in the front end. And with the whole dating thing, people always deciding that they want an outcome and they will bend and mold themselves to go and get that outcome or what they, and, to, and to avoid an ego dent. Let's say they really like someone and this person has different values, all these things, but they've created this halo effect around them and they're like, I'm gonna bend to you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be dishonest to myself. I'm gonna be out of the alignment with what my values are because I just really wanna avoid this ego dent. And that is, that is such a trap because what happens is you avoid the ego dent, right? And maybe you get the outcome that you, you want. But later, later on down the track, your authenticity has to come to the surface. It always does. It bubbles up. And then you have to, you have to learn a harder life lesson. So where people, when they come in facing up to those, those decisions is to go and avoid the, the short-term potential pain of an ego dent. This person's not going to like the real me. For me to get this outcome, it's going to give them a harder lesson later on down the track. So being upfront and being authentic in the front and especially in a dating uh, situation where you actually do like the person is you have to want them to choose you based off the fact that they're choosing you for authenticity because later on down the track, if you didn't show up at that and they chose that, chose you and down the line, your authenticity has to bubble to the surface, you learn a harder life lesson because then it crumples. But do you feel that all of your male friends are like this? Because I feel like a lot of women will be listening to this going, who is this guy? What's he talking about authenticity? Most men just want to have a one night stand, bit of a shag. Whereas I'm asking you, are a lot of your friends that you, not just the ones you associate with, but just men you've come across in your life also feel the same way and add all of these layers to processing these decisions about dating women? No. The thing is, is like I've become maybe a little bit ignorant to to the world of of male circles because I, I control my environment pretty heavily. I'm pretty ruthless when it comes to the people that I put myself around. So what do you do when you're around men who do treat women degradingly? I I just I'm just not. Yeah, but what would you do if you're in a situation where you saw that happen? I'd pull them up. There's been the odd occasions where I've met people for the first time or the second time and they're starting to feel more comfortable around me and they're doing the typical um, stereotypical male sort of bravado and even in a group setting i've i've pulled it up i just don't i I just i don't have that fear i I mean again it's just that at this time of life for me 32 years old i don't feel the need to go and bend and sway my values to appease social situations um but again like i am around a lot of great men right um and a lot of the issues that are coming up in the world i'm ignorant to because my surroundings are, are so good with with the men that i involved uh, that i'm involved with in my within my life and in the odd occasion i'm i'm uh i see the polar opposite and i I'm, it's, it's actually made me realize a lot of these social um issues i'm oblivious to that they still go on i'm so shocked when i start to hear a lot of stuff well that's like lisa and i often say that if we were we live in this echo chamber where no one's where no one's homophobic. But if all of a sudden we're around homophobic people, I'd be like, "What is going on?" Yeah, you know. Um, okay, so going back to dating, do you feel that there is sometimes a power balance between men and women in dating? Like a like an imbalance? Yeah. 
Um, well, in all of my experience dating men, which is zero, um, I don't know from personal experience, but maybe, and I don't mean to sort of stereotype women, but sometimes I do feel there is, I do feel that men hold more of the cards or more of the decision, or maybe it's viewed like that, or maybe people come into it, women come into it thinking, I hope he likes me. I hope he chooses me. I hope I'm good enough. Yep. I'll make myself pretty enough. I'll, you know, do all these things. And so men have the decision making. And I think that is a power. Yeah, I often think more. I sorry, I more often than not think that when a relationship doesn't like falls apart or crumbles, you always see the women say, "What was wrong with me? Why didn't he like me?" As opposed to like, "Oh, was he a schmuck?" You know. But also, like one thing, and we were talking about it the other night, Nat, about how, and this is all in my recent documentary watching of David Attenborough, bless his socks, that you see, you know, you see women get dolled up going on a date, men put on a t-shirt, they look good, they, you know touch their hair and the women are just dolled up but then you see these documentaries where the birds are the ones that are the beautiful peacocks and all the men are the ones that have the beautiful feathers doing the dance making the nest and I'm just wondering why do why why isn't it that way I'd love to see men get dolled up I'd love to see men put on you know the biggest show and then women just kind of go hmm okay yeah <laughs> I got I got ready in 10 minutes hmm do you have expectations Ben on the women you date I try not to. But answer honestly. <laughs> I try. Not, it's hard not to. It, it, it is hard not to. I try to regulate that. And when I do see that, that I'm starting to do that. And again, you can start to future pace. And, I, and I've seen a lot of women do this. And it's, it's really hard not to. They meet this person and they have this construct of who they want to be with. And they start to go to work to go and uh, make that a role. And it's almost like they're, it's, it's like they, they like what the person represents as opposed to who that person actually is. I've seen that many people go and choose things that are great on paper because they've got this expectation of, of, a, of a role. You know, who they're choosing is actually fulfilling a role for them. You know, and I've, I have seen um, male friends give over power in, in, in a sense of um, alignment. For, for the most part, dating is psychological warfare. Well, unconscious so- psychological warfare. Well, I... I'm <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so true sometimes it is well people don't know it they're, they're doing games. it without it well it's, it's transactional analysis it's just people have their wounds from the young age and that's a large part of who they choose or who their partners are or who they're attracted to has got to do with uncondi- um, unconscious you talking about daddy issues well, yeah, I mean, typically uh, there's a lot of times that maybe uh, I've been closed off and people's fathers have been that. So they've gone to work to go and uh, fix you. Well, not fix, but go and earn my earn my love as a way of recouping, uh, recovering uh, a lack of sense of needs that were met by their father in their young age. And this is, this is what we see a lot of the time with, with not even just that instance, that's just one, but transactional analysis is such a huge thing where it's like people fluctuate between the ego states of parent, adult and child. And we're always without knowing it fluctuating between one of the three in order to go and redeem a need that was not felt at a, at a young age. And that's where the unconscious sort of psychological games and things start to flare up. Just to balance it out, to be politically correct, there are a lot of men with mommy issues too. This is not a <laughs> women have daddy issues. I think it's just like everyone oh, can yeah, have sure. parental issues. Well, you dad. hear that, mom? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> talking, talking about issues, I actually, in the preempt to leading up to this, I did have someone um, ask me to ask 
both of you. Uh, why is it that women are are women difficult? If so, why? So I think it was referenced in the point that she was kind of like, you know, I don't understand why women are always deemed as these difficult creatures. Like, what's wrong with us? Are we complex? Least across the board, you can't you can't say that across the board. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have my opinion, well, but what do you both feel? Go on. Um, look, I can be fucking difficult. Like I, I have, but I can also be fucking simple. So I think women to say that women are difficult is to ask the wrong question. Can women at times be difficult? Yes. Can men at times be difficult? A hundred percent. But I don't think women are in of themselves as a one entire group difficult. However, we were, I was just watching a stand up comedy last night and it was this woman basically saying it's not about women being difficult or emotional or whatever we are hormonal so we go through f- like fluxes of hormones and that will change the way we behave and we take the pill and we do all these things so they're just kind of it's just kind of being a woman sometimes yeah i think with a lot of these cases of people um, taking biological um aspects into mind um what do you mean by that well, with, with, you know, the feminine masculine uh, topic and conversation, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but even like, I mean, again, with, with exactly what you've said in the past uh, with, with my ex, I would deem when she became emotional uh, about something that could, I, I deemed as, as an easy fix being, you know. So how did you handle that? I handled it poorly at the time. And again, I, I look back on that relationship and I thought, you know what, I was actually n- not as, I, I let her down. I really do. I, I felt like the way that um, I showed up in those situations, knowing what I know now, at the time I didn't know, I was much younger, um, uh, not as much experience. But when she came to me in an emotional state, I used to see that as, oh, she wants something fixed. And my masculine energy would go, okay, well, I'm going to fix this. And because I was so good at shutting off my, my own emotions, my um my Achilles heel was her not be, not her not being able to do the same. So I'd I'd go and try to stop that when really all she wanted was not to cause a stir or not to fight because I was like all you want to do is fight. If she didn't want to fight. She just wanted to, to me to feel what she was feeling. But I didn't do that because I didn't want to feel what she was feeling. So I'd go to fix it and I'd meet it with his masculine energy and I'd try to cut it off and all it would do was just compound and I'd make out like as if you're difficult. But she wasn't being difficult, you know. She just wanted to feel fa- – she didn't want things fixed or any, or any of that. And that's what I tried to do when I realized that when that flares up, it's like, no, you're not trying to be difficult. It's just like you're trying to, you're trying to have a sense that I'm feeling, you know, I can, I can feel and meet you at an intimate place. I feel like – with lesbians, we've kind of got the upper hand on this because we know what it feels like to go through a period cycle. We know what it feels like to get so emotional and you don't really know why. And so therefore with our partners, we're better at, I think we're more equipped to be able to deal and communicate. And so it's, it can be both more intense because instead of having one, you know, hormonal person, you have two, but we're also better equipped to deal with it. So I think it's like a funny difference in from heterosexual to lesbian relationships in Women being what difficult? I don't know. I think I mean I certainly understand that, but I also have spoken now to a few um, friends of mine who are gay, and I said, "Oh, do you think your straight friends could handle being in a relationship with a woman?" And they're and, and a lot of them have been like, "Absolutely not," because 
when you're they and this is in their opinion when you are in a heterosexual relationship as a woman you could perhaps be a bit more selfish whereas when you are in a um homosexual relationship there is so much more as lisa said you have to be so much more communicative because there's like let's talk about it what's going on and you do answer the question you don't just you know um brush it off like you're talking about in your instances with like you know with your um previous ex-girlfriend uh but i think we're going to dive into that before we finish up this initial component i just wanted to ask what's your opinion on people ghosting leaving being blocked I asked this question because I recently read a story and a girl had slept with a man and then the next day woke up, neither of them were talking to each other, which of course everyone could I'm sure imagine that is a remarkably awkward situation. Um, she leaves his house. She then finds out uh, via trying to text him on, I guess, Instagram. She's been blocked. What's your initial thoughts on actually just social etiquette? I know we talked about it in the dating analogy, but in that kind of circumstance, have you either ever done something that horrible or what would you say to someone who's gone through that? Or have you done it? Yes, you, Lisa. Um, <clears throat> okay, so the first question, I, I think it's bad. I don't think it's nice to do that. Um, have I ever done it? Yes. Um, I have definitely ghosted. I've definitely not been nice and not responded. Um but when I was doing that, so there was no Instagram really. I wasn't really on Facebook. So social, it was easier for me to get away with it because it was just really texting. But yeah, it's, it's a way to not have to deal with, again, someone else's feelings or emotions after you kind of got what you wanted out of a transactional night. Um, like it, that sounds really clinical or really shit, but you meet someone in a bar, you go home, you wake up the next morning and it goes back to that, you know, do we owe them any responsibility over their feelings? And is the best thing to do to not reply? Probably not. So <laughs> See, I really was so excited to have Lisa on this because we have had such a completely different experience in dating women leading up to us getting married. Uh, but Ben, have you ever ghosted? Not have you. When have you ghosted? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the truth. When have I ghosted? <laughs> Uh, we've been friends for quite some time, so don't try to lie to I, me. I mean, here. over the years, I've travelled quite a lot. I've been around, like, and I'm getting on a jet plane. See you later. Well, if if someone gets their hopes up with someone that is only in town for a few days or a week, um, again, that depends on what energy I put out, um, whether or not I got it. It's such a tough. I mean, I'd like to think that I've gone about it in a, in as much of a, a, a good way as I, as I possibly could. And over the years I do feel like that, but in hindsight, have I potentially, and, and, and I dare say potentially people have felt like that. I'm, I haven't intentionally gone to, but is there, is there room for peel, uh, people out there feeling like that has been the case? hundred percent. You're like, I was just being authentic. I didn't want to reply. <laughs> I'm no, going well, I, I mean, there's definitely been times where I haven't. I mean, that was the one time where I, I did have drama. Um, the circumstances were this, this, um, this, this certain woman, she didn't necessarily live her lifestyle in a way where it, I felt represented. What does that mean, Ben? Like, let's well, simplify she, this. She hung out with a number of guys often. Promiscuous? I guess you could say that. And and I took that I took that for face value that that's where she's at in her life. And I'm like, that's just what she's after. And she got very disappointed at the fact that I construed the way that she went about things as me being the same thing. And the, the interesting thing about that was 
I, I tend to talk to people in a way where I like to go deeper. I like to talk about a lot of number of things that maybe women avoid of getting out in the dating world. And that's just the way I talk. I talk like that with everyone. I have two levels, shit talk, banter, and deep stuff. There's not real much, there's not too much middle He's ground. not lying. I've experienced both. <laughs> yeah, right? So I fluctuate between the two. So me talking like that with someone that's maybe starved for that deeper sort of sense of connection or perceived as that, uh, felt that maybe there was a little bit more there where that's just sort of how I sort of converse and talk. And she, uh, and I get that. Like when I, 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 I ran into her and her friends ex- uh, explained to me, you know, when you talk to women like that and you have these conversations, you know, they can easily feel, you know, I've been waiting for someone to show up where they have these conversations and they talk like this and they share those things. And when that shows up and then, you know, you spend the night and then you don't hear, hear back. They, and again, there is that building up and I get that. I totally get that, but that made me think, oh geez, maybe I don't know the dating scene from, from any other male's perspective a lot of the time or males outside my realm as to how they're going. I don't know if people are, how starved they are for a connection in, in what they're doing. So I just thought it was quite flippant and went, a, went about my, uh, went, went on my way. So I was going to ask this later, but um, now that we're right here, I really thought it would be the perfect timing. What are your thoughts on if you find out the woman you're with has slept with lots of partners? Not currently, not at the time, but has previously slept with lots of partners. And Lisa, you can kick this off. Oh, goody. Um, well, as someone who has had a healthy single life, um, I don't particularly think it's anything to judge objectively. But there always will be the question circulating in your mind, especially based on if, if you are someone who is promiscuous on your own experiences or like why you are promiscuous, not that there needs to be a reason, maybe you just like sex. Um, and so you kind of look into the other person and wonder, why are you promiscuous? Do you just like a lot of sex? Are you looking for something? Are you easy? Are you, you know, like there's all these sort of quasi-judgmental views. But um, I don't know, with women, I don't really think it's that much of an issue Um, but I do know that I think it's different if you look at a woman and they've, there's someone who slept with a lot of men versus someone who slept with a lot of women. And I think there is something generally viewed as different. Um, what's your view on it, Nat? I, (laughs) (laughs) I'll be honest. I think that when you and I first got together and I did learn of your past, I think at first I was a bit shocked not shocked but I guess I just didn't I don't know I I had never had to think about it I think with men it's seemingly as if it's to be expected and then I think when (coughs) you learn about it uh, with your partner you're thinking oh okay but I guess I had to just decide that it wasn't any different and I think that after the conversations you and I have had it's just like that's where you're at in your life why should I make any judgments upon it um, why should I say that you couldn't have been there or done that or all those things? So, but yeah, I mean, I had, I had said to you that I think it would be different if I found out you'd set with the same equivalent of men. And then it made me also question, well, why would I think that? So I'm not sure where I actually officially land on it. At the end of the day, I don't want to place judgment on anyone. I think sex is a wonderful thing that should be enjoyed. Um, yeah, I guess that's my, my is experience. Is it different for you, Ben, if like you met a girl that slept with a lot of women versus a lot of men? 
well, how how would I how would I know that? No, but I mean, like, if you met someone, let's say your current girlfriend, if you actually found out that she had lied to you about how many men she'd slept with and it was triple, would it change your opinion? Does it change your opinion as a man? Because I have a very good friend, and he has slept with a lot of women, and then he found out his partner has slept with a lot, and he's like, you know, I love her, but my God, it gives me the shits knowing that she's been with so many men. And I think, but why? It's double standards. Yeah. I'd be lying if I'd say that, that that there isn't double standards surrounding that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's never never good to hear. I mean, there's been experiences uh, with my uh, current girlfriend where we've been introduced to people that we've had things to do with in the past. Slept with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, slept with. That's, that's probably the operative <laughs> term. Um, Right, and uh, it's not nice to think about, right? And we need our moments to sort of cognitively get it into our brain. And as and in, when you've met someone that she slept with whilst you're with her, it makes you vividly imagine it, and you don't like that. Yeah, but then you have to understand. It's like, well, it's she's it's, gonna she's gonna run into someone that you've been with. Well, again, what's my expectation? Is like, well. If I don't like about who am I expecting to yeah. end up with someone that has had nothing to do with anyone? Again, it's just like my expectations are not not uh, unhealthy around. Well, let's say you know as much as that was you know not the best thing. Um, it's not stopping you from dating her. It's not no, not at all. Because hypothetically. Like if it wasn't her and I met so, like, where does it stop? Am I going to meet someone and have that be the primary, um, I guess, focal point? Like where I give up all the other things that I love in person, but that's the primary thing I look for, you know? No. Yeah. Right. So uh, she has also, you know, had to look at me and, she, and, I, and at the beginning of a relationship, we had conversations where, again, I wanted to fall in love with exactly how I am and what I've been and and how I've been in the past and and I've had to say things that have made me uncomfortable because I run the risk of her not liking it or not wanting to hear it and she's been strong enough and um secure enough in herself to be able to take that on and respect me for for sharing that and being open and and still try and I still wanted to engage in in continuing to see me which then built our relationship even stronger the fact that i could say that and you accept it and it's like we just we started to do that so much it's like well we don't really hide things and we love the fact that we're capable of saying that and um see i think something that served lisa and i's relationship long term was when we first met i was like i'm moving to melbourne in 30 days so there was no pretense there was no bullshit we were very forthcoming and very open with each other however as our relationship progressed you then also had to accept all of the truth that you had already shared which i think became an interesting component during certain parts of our relationship um okay so let's tilt a little bit and move towards feminism chivalry and traditions so do you do you want feminism or chivalry? Now, I want Lisa to start with this because I think she has an opinion of this in regards to how she views this. You think she has an opinion of this? She may not? have shared it with me, <laughs> perhaps. Sometimes I have my own opinions. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I think it's interesting because chivalry in a lesbian relationship is without gender, obviously. If I hold the door open for Nat... It's not because of any other reason than I love her and she's my partner. If I pull a seat out for her in a nice restaurant, it's just because 
she's my partner and I want to pull the seat out and that's a nice... And if not, she's in trouble. And that's a nice sort of act or something to do. But I wondered if, say, Ben, if your girlfriend, you went to a restaurant and she pulled the chair out for you for you to sit down or she opened the door for you and started having those chivalrous behaviours, how might that make you feel? And I guess I think because where, you know, feminism is looking for equality between the sexes and a lot of chivalrous traditions are based out of inequality, especially financially, the man picking up the bill or, you know, buying the ring to propose because he generally had a bigger income. Um, I just wonder that if we eventually do get to financial equality, does that mean those traditions need to be rethought or re-scoped? Like, why would the onus be on the men to financially be chivalrous? And that's, I guess, change different from pulling the chair out, opening the door, but actually paying the bill and stuff. Or do we just accept that traditions are traditions and equality is equality and the two are separate? That's kind of my thinking and whatnot on it. Yeah. Do you pay? Do you pick up the bill? I pick it up, um, I'd say the majority maybe majority because i because i want to not because i i feel it's the case but she does pick up the bill um a lot of times she does pay for for a lot of stuff a a lot of time and i uh but do you like that or yeah okay so what if she pulled out the chair for you or opened the car door maybe i've never even I've never even given that a, like a, a thought. Again, we live in Bali, so we ride scooters, so we're rarely getting into car, <laughs> rarely getting into cars. It'd be weird to um, see it. I'll put it this way: I'll, I'll use it in Bali terms. If she was riding the scooter and I was on the back, I'd have a hard time. Yeah. So why? Yeah, I'd have a really hard time. I'd feel very emasculated. Why? I just I don't know. Again, it's just conditioning. I love watching you experience your your actual like realization of these of these <laughs> answers as you're answering them. But yes, no, I mean, yeah, so she, 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 she contributes quite often. I mean, I, I'd say maybe, you know, I'm two thirds of the time I will and then another third, like she wasn't, she's very generous and, and, you know, she's not, she's not expecting, I think that's the biggest thing. She's not entitled or, or, or expecting that. And, and it is sometimes a, a fight to, you know, and, and I'll, you know, I'm quite comfortable to have a go and pay that. I mean, at the, you know, we're a team right now, so. Um, so, um, if you were in an, in a, in another relationship though, like, cause for those who don't know, you have created quite a successful life for yourself. Um, and you were in that kind of relationship where it was like, oh, of course you're paying. How would you feel then? Uh, no, I probably just wouldn't, I wouldn't get into the, I wouldn't get into one like that. No, the type of the, 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 the women I'm attracted to, um, are the types that have a, a, a building out what they wanted like with a relationship i feel like you're two people facing the same direction walking beside each other taking everything in a stride a lot of time it's like i want you to have your independence i want you to have i don't want to make you and again this is a big thing that men do all the time it's actually a control mechanism it's like it's a it's an anxiousness i've seen this within friends is the fact that if i become uh if i and Mr. Fixit, like like I said before, or I do pay for a whole bunch of this stuff, and I uh, I do attend to a lot of things. That's gonna make you more dependent on me, which it looks like. Oh, he's such a great dude, where he's he's doing all these nice things, but it's actually for a lot of the time unconsciously a control mechanism, where it's like I'm going to weaken you to the point where you're not self sufficient, where you rely on me, and you're not gonna feel like you can leave. 
And that allows, and then men can sometimes think, I can get away with more bullshit now because I've made you more vulnerable. Yeah. So, so your opinion though is that if you were, if you did end up in a relationship where you were 100%, you know, in charge of the finances, you have a wife, she has the kids, etc., you would see her as weaker if you were taking care of that responsibility. Not, no, not, not, that's not the way to sort of look at it. As, as far as like in a relationship, not being someone who, solves problems but making the person a better problem solver for themselves whereas to the point where they want to be with you but they don't need to, to be, be with, with you. you as opposed to i don't think it makes in a sense maybe that wasn't the the right term but it's like um i want I you to become agree. so strong that you don't need me and you choose to be with me because you want to not because you feel uh, a dependency that i've created because of whatever wounds that I've got in the past, I want to see you become so strong that you don't need me at all. Obviously, if it comes to like having kids and everything, um, that whole dynamic changes because obviously, you know, the woman is going to be looking after the uh, children and maybe isn't able to um, uh, make the finances. The finances and stuff is just one aspect of what goes into con contributing to the lifestyle and, to, and the progress of each other's lives. It is not not one's valued more than the other, but I mean, in a, I'm just using. Oh finances, look, I agree. I agree. Finances, in a sense, I agree that I think a lot of the time that can occur where people are, in your terms, being uh, controlled due to the fact of financial inequality. Completely agree. The next happy tradition of wonderful relationships. Would you ask for some? Would you ask the father for his daughter's hand in marriage? I'm gonna get you to answer first, Ben, because I know what uh, Lisa I know what Lisa did or didn't do. Where do you sit on this tradition? Well, my um my uh brother in law asked me, which I thought was Because your dad isn't in the picture as much. Well, just, he, just, he, for, he, just for clarity's I've, sake. Yeah, I mean I'm the sort of the male that's been the most predominant within the family. So I thought that was really nice. It wasn't it wasn't required and I didn't feel needed or anything like that. Um my uh other sister's wife uh, she came to me and just let me knew. She didn't ask for it. She just let me knew. And I thought that was nice. I really, you know, appreciated that. Um, but would you ask? Again, I, I, and I've said this to my, I have no intention of getting married. I don't, if I envision my future, there's nothing, nothing in it that, that, that is about getting married. It just isn't. I mean, it may, it may change. And I've, I've openly said this, like, I just don't have any intention on getting married. I just really don't. And, but if, and again, maybe I would. Yeah, if, again, culturally, like, again, I, my, my girlfriend's Spanish. They do things differently. Oh, and, you would you probably know, be asking her father. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, the interesting thing with, uh, yeah, her father's um, pretty conservative and he's not, uh, apparently he's not necessarily the biggest fan of tattoos and he goes for Real Madrid, I go for Barcelona, so I, I kind of feel You're like out. she's just You're screwed. Out, she's chosen someone that is just like, just to piss her dad off. Yeah. And we, we laugh about it, but um, I, I think if it came to that point, I, I think that I, think I would, I think culturally wise, I, and I've always said this is like, look, uh, marriage not, might not be important to me, but if it is important to the person and I love them that much and uh, then it's not that big a deal to me, but if it's a big deal to them and everything, then I like, I love them, I respect them and uh, it's not that difficult for me to go and, you know, do that. So. Oh, um, yeah. So I didn't ask Nat's dad, but my view is more on a sort of, I guess it's a, 
feminist view in that Nat is not owned by her father. There is no permission that needs to be sought. Hope he's not listening to this episode. Um, Marty, I love you, um, <laughs> but she's mine now. Um, <laughs> no, and so I, I just, I, I thought it was something that is that that I don't see value in, and I don't, yeah, I don't respect it as a tradition. Um, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it's just me personally. And so I chose to, uh, propose and then inform all parents of it after. So, yeah, but I, I always wondered what would happen if you did ask and then they said, no, what do you do then? Which has happened to friends of ours. Oh, really? Yeah. How's that played out? Difficultly. Yeah, and it was Tensely. Just, it's just an interesting experience. And I think the whole part of this question is really about there is a beautiful tradition, but if you feel like you want to like could you imagine, Ben, if you do if you did go and ask um her father and he says no, but you're like you're there, you're like, I want to marry her and he's like, No. Nah. What do you do then? You know, and in this situation our friends didn't get married. Um, and she didn't ask and you just kind of question it and you go like, which part of the scale do you sit on, on this kind of concept? Mm. These are all hi- obviously hypotheticals. This is all obviously yeah, hypotheticals. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, again, it would just be like, oh, I'm just doing it out of respect, but at the end of the day, it's not. You're like, that's <laughs> yeah. so in reality, I'd just be still like, it's a tradition. Oh, it's not it. like, yeah, I was doing it just if you don't like it, then it's, I'm yeah. just, it's still going on. Yeah. Not actual permission. Yeah, it's not actual, like, oh, no. okay, well, I can't now. It's just like you just... It's a little dance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, this is, I feel like, going to be a hot-button topic for you, Benny. Masculinity and femininity. How important are these concepts, feelings, or roles? Oh, okay, me. Um, <laughs> awkward silence. I'm like, why is everyone staring at me? <laughs> Um, so again, so lesbians, I mean, there is a spectrum of feminine and masculine women. And I feel like women who are gay are more able to express either their feminine or their masculine. And their I, I don't think their attractiveness or how appealing they might be is diminished in that way. Um, and I don't know whether it's correlation or causation that more lesbians are masculine than straight women. I don't know if it's society, like I I don't have any answers or really thoughts on it. Um, But I think we're definitely in a subculture community where we can freely express it. Um, For me personally, though, I'm not attracted to very masculine women. Um, Having said that, I think there are some absolutely stunning androgynous and masculine women out there, but it's just not my thing. Um, But I think we're lucky in that we can be more expressive because I don't see many very many masculine women who are heterosexual i like i i've never to this day come across a really butch straight woman but so when you when you hear masculinity and femininity that's the way in which you interpret i see it as expression i see it as expression of a socially defined characteristic i don't think you are inherently born as masculine or feminine i think they're i've got you know a social view of gender or like it's socially constructed you're you're born with your chromosomes x y x x you are male or female or in between or other um and the way you are the way you see your gender is defined by your surroundings and so some women are more masculine and feminine some men are more 
um, masculine and feminine, but it's interesting to see that in the gay communities, it's just more, there's a wider spectrum of expression. Well, I think in the gay communities, especially for gay men, if you are a more feminine man, you are not a weaker man. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like in a hetero world, if you're a weak, if you're a more fem- effeminate man, generally speaking, it's like, oh, he's such a fag. He's so seen gay. as an insult. He's so weak, yet seem, it's seen as an insult. However, on this though, I don't think I'm very attracted to hyper-masculine men in terms of like even in just like social uh, groupings. Yeah, so I am. I find... No, but not hyper-masculine. I well, mean, what is hyper-masculine? I mean like those who are like, oh God, I was going to say aggressively manly. That's not what I mean. So for example, I'd use Ben as a great as a great topic, right? If you look at him, you think he's a very masculine man, but he expresses his emotions and all those other aspects, which I believe are the feminine energy of a person, which is why I think I enjoy his um, company. Masculine on the outside, feminine on the inside. There we go. There's well, Ben's you know new what? bio line. You know what? The, the <laughs> thing though is, is that I thought that I was more in touch with my feminine side because I was able to... Uh, talk about my emotions but i honestly feel like i I talk about my emotions in in quite a pragmatic uh logical way which is still masculine being in the emotion is is the feminine in a sense the actual flow of the energy of feeling and being in the emotion at the point is a feminine being able to just actually talk about it to me is is a masculine but with the whole masculine and feminine right now i think it's getting very skewed because we're, uh, people have a hard time differentiating uh they they kind of box feminine being female and masculine being male but when you're when you're dealing with anyone you're dealing with a, mas- a masculine and feminine the whole way through and i think that's kind of why this conversation is very difficult for people to have is because they have a hard time when someone says well feminist or masculine and that that they just automatically go male female and that's a see i see it as a range but i think um and correct me if i'm wrong but i think what we're trying to say is that yes there is the term masculine and feminine to describe certain things but that doesn't necessarily mean that something that is feminine is female and something that is masculine is male exactly and we think we have a linguistic problem and like i remember years ago when i lived in france i was about 10 years old i always wondered in the french language you know uh tables chairs everything's either feminine or masculine le or la and i always wondered who decided this why is a chair feminine or masculine i mean how did we come to define this in language and i think we're doing the same thing in characteristics and traits we're saying well this feature or you know if if it's a high-pitched laugh it's very feminine you know and so we're doing the same thing we're boxing it with language and i just wondered who is making these assumptions Mm. and because we're using a term that is likened to male and female it's automatically jumping into a box of male and female. Yeah, and then you kind of have to decide which you like or prefer. Yeah. Would you, though, Den, Den, Ben, date a masculine woman? Uh, yeah, because there's so, many, there's so many aspects of feminine and masculine. I think people are only nitpicking at like a couple. And how it looks. And how, and how it looks. But the reality is, is like my, my uh, girlfriend is a very stunning, effeminate, type looking woman she's a model but um she also displays uh masculine traits which which is the thing that typically in the past i've because sexual polarity is heavy masculine or people that spend the majority of the time in masculine tend to sex the sexual polarity is the extreme femininity look or whatever it is but within typical everyday life they do each other's heads in a lot of the time 
And for me is that we have that flow of the sexual polarity, but we're also able to have quite an even blend within the relationship of the two that even functioning without that, there's still a lot of, a lot of detraction. You know, this is a lot of time where we see maybe a bricklayer end up with um, a makeup artist or, or, or this or that is uh, the sexual polarity is like is opposites a, attract a lot of, a lot of time, not all, yeah, obviously all the time. Um, but yeah, she looks in its social terms, feminine, yeah. but she displays a lot of masculine qualities, qualities that I really, um, are attracted to. And as reason why I'm with her, I, I, you know, um, is because of her masculine qualities. And I don't think it's like, Oh, that makes her less, female because i understand that that's not different i'm not saying oh you're more like a man or you're more like a woman like this i'm saying you display this trait which is feminine you display this trait which is masculine it's just it's not dictating anything of like you're more of a woman because you act more feminine it's just i don't have that construct and i think it's with society it's been spoken about so often that it's become so skewed as to what the the basis and founding meanings of what those what those terms were coined as a psychological terms to be able to create order because a lot of psychology and everything's just to be able to go and create order where there wasn't any order before and it's been it's been hijacked by uh i get like new age spirituality for a little bit and put a little bit of glitter on top of it um and it's and people have run with it in creative aspects and the conversation is becoming very hard. Like, even in a sense where you know we talk about toxic masculinity, I have a really hard term, had hard time with that term. Why? Well, because, because again, it's saying that you're pinpointing one half of and of males energy. I remember, so- but I think toxic masculinity—the problem that we're coming across—is the way in which it's expressed, and that's damaging and hurtful well, not to expressed. women suppressed yeah which then in most of the time i think the examples that are used is how that that suppresses and hurts women i think that's the problem with toxic masculinity yeah but it's easy to say there's shit men right because there's been times where i've done things that have been the most damaging things in my life but they were feminine energy plus testosterone and they have been some of the most damaging do you have an example I, uh, when, um, when I used to throw things or used to uh, punch things again with the, how is that feminine energy? No, because, because the way that for for me it's, and again, that's going to be hard because it's like, well, are you saying that you were acting like a woman when you went ballistic or or did this? This is like, not at all. I said, because for me, femininity and masculine is feminine is life force, creativity, flow of emotions and masculinity is death. The, The star of the show is feminine the the masculine is the manager so they're both prevalent in 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 all creation one has the ideas the excitement enthusiasm the passion the creativity and the one brings order to being able to bring that into life and again how men and female depending on uh biological reasoning how they get displayed is not always the same so when i didn't necessarily and again like with masculinity it's the cutting off of the emotion it cuts the emotion off. Right. So what you're saying is that you were experiencing such intense emotions and then you took it out by being um, violent. Hyper. And I wasn't able to go, I wasn't able to go, hey, don't do that. 
not good. Yeah. Uh, don't let don't behave on this emotion uh, because of this. It was like the delay, and and this is why it's going to be hard to say that and hear for people because they go, "Oh, you're going to say women are like that." I'm not saying women are like that. I'm saying that at times when we're in certain situations that's the display of energy i'm not saying i acted like a woman yeah. i'm saying i acted like a man who just so happened at that point in time had a, a flow of an energy or an emotion it just so happened to be the, the energy and emotion so happened to be anger and i wasn't able to curb it cause death to it which is in a sense yeah. masculine I think and i'm that- not saying that's a pro or con but i'm just saying that's the basis of what i was at that point where i couldn't cause the death of the emotion where i didn't cause that yeah. poor behavior so a lot of times it's like men it's the masculinity side of things but men need to to heal their feminine aspects just as much just as much because again um if we look at a lot of times with women that are in jail they record higher levels of testosterone readings than than women outside of it so yeah. again, you've got to take biological reasons into a lot of times how they're, they're displayed occasionally. So I'm, I just, I think the word toxic masculinity is not to say that it's only the poisoned masculine traits. I think toxic masculinity represents a lack of femininity and over emphasis on masculinity in such a way that the person or the way they are expressing or living their life is actually toxic. It is toxic to women. Mm. It is a toxic person or someone who's acting in a toxic way. I think the notion of that is not to say that it's only masculine traits. It's to say that as a whole, this person is kind of, and I'm going to use this and I stand by it, poisoned because what they're doing and the harm they're doing to other men or women, mostly women, is just all kinds of fucked up. So I, I don't know if the term toxic masculinity has gone as philosophical as you have, but I definitely think it's a broad, all-encompassing umbrella that's not just sort of targeting masculine traits. Yeah. And that's the social construct. I think that, you know, and 100% agree with that. But we have to understand when we're, when we're dealing with, and again, male's behavior a lot of the time is extremely poor. Um, and I do agree with the concepts of how we've structured masculinity and what it means to be a male and how we've fallen into that. And again, I'm not going to define what a male is. The only way I define a male is you have an X and a Y chromosome. And I'm not going to go and say, well, you're a man if you're this and you're a man if you're that. But I, I feel like that's the problem. We're, we're defining what a man is. There should be no real definition other than exactly your chromosome. it's very rigid. And I think that's, that's, that's the hard thing. Even with people that are fighting against the constructs of masculinity are creating other constructs that are that are polarizing saying this and that and i say you're doing the exact same thing in your subjective opinion of what is you need that's that's how this started in the first place and a lot of them are trying to make them more effeminate like well uh that's not necessarily that's doing the exact same thing in a different way i think it's just because it's become so rigid that and again i had my concepts and i still at times get trapped into into the the fear of like if you can't produce your family it's like you're 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 i like and that's ingrained and there's so much in terms of the pressure there's so many still constructs around being a man that i still am unraveling to to you know and again that the the pressure but going back to dating women do you find like of course i i feel like most people listening to this will be like wow he seems to be so uh in touch with his either logic or feelings whichever way you want to view it do you think that that has bettered your communication when dating? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, over the years it's it's obviously grown, and and again I've learnt the payoff and cost of 
not behaving certain ways. And yeah. I think you can read as many books as you want and you can watch as many videos as you want, but you need to be in the, in the, in the field and experiencing the, these things to, to actually feel the payoff and cost of, you know, lacking, uh, lacking communication skills or lacking integrity or lacking respect or lacking all the, any of these things. So I'm at 32 years old, but you know, I've been, I'm better than I was six months ago. I'm better than I was a year ago. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm even remotely close to being, um, perfect now, but, my communication has gotten better because I've been able to go and delay it. I think being in business with a lot of different varying personality types has helped because uh, I get you can easily get flared up by different dy dynamics. And for me to go and have an emotion and let it feel it, but not act on it, has been it's just that emotional intelligence intelligence to go well you you don't have all the data you don't have everything to be able to go and make this fundamentally hundred percent true wait until you can think about it properly and go and be inquisitive or go to understand or go to uh, understand how everyone else feels. And it probably makes sense as to why they're behaving, how they're behaving. And then you can act in a better accordance. Lisa, hearing all of this, do you think you communicate as well or you're as in touch as Ben? Oh, trust me. No, this is completely different from like how I, I'm sometimes I'm shithouse within my relationship. Yeah, but, <laughs> but do you think, what do you think of your communication skills when it comes to dating women? Uh, I'd probably say I'm more succinct and less wordy and just in the way that I don't feel the need to, or like, I feel like you give, um, the reasoning. Mm. No, like y your way of showing respect is to, you know, provide explanations and, you know, talk through things. Whereas that's not me generally, especially when it comes to people I'm dating or on a fling with. So I'm very minimalist in what I will give because, Part of my thought is I don't need to justify my behavior necessarily. I don't need to go down a deep rabbit hole and explaining it in a lot of detail. And that's going to sound really shit, but I don't think I'm the biggest and best example of a great communicator. But do, just you, do you feel though, I mean, since you've married me that you are better or you treat me in the same manner? Yeah, because I have to reply to you. <laughs> I can't, I can't ghost you. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, I definitely have had to be pushed with you because you are different from me. You are probably closer to Ben in that you you are emotionally intelligent. You want to, you know, connect. You're very connected to your feelings. So if you have a feeling, you understand very quickly what it is or where it's coming from. I'm probably less evolved in that way. So when I have a feeling, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just reacting. And then suddenly I've got to delve back in and be like, oh, okay, this is what it's actually about. So communication can often be time lagged from feeling with me but um, you already knew that i mean like now it's on record <laughs> well, it sounds like you just have two different attachment style att attachment styles i think we've just had to learn how to understand and balance each other but i think that's the whole nuance of like dating women and the care taken to it versus from what we know of our heterosexual friends in relationships and their communication styles which i think in a bubble is all very interesting with everyone. But going on to a bit of a lighter topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back back to good old dating women. Uh, I think this is really interesting and it's appearances. So let's say you get into a relationship with someone and even the language. She let herself go versus guys now have this kind of sexy dad bod label. What's your, why do you think people do let themselves go in relationships or do you think it should be the opposite and that we should be striving to be better? 
you want to start, Lise? Oh, I always have to start on this. I can't <laughs> just like, you know, listen to Ben and then think, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to, you know, expand on that. Um, yeah, I think, I think language is always funny. I think, you know, the fact that, yeah, there's the dad bod, which is somewhat sexy. It's like the guy with the tummy and it's the It's Leonardo DiCaprio still getting Victoria's Secret models. Yeah, it is. And then there's the mom let herself go or she, like you wouldn't say, oh, she's got a sexy mom bod. Like that isn't, that is just not a thing. Yeah, it's when um, she's going to rebound and get, a, get yeah, herself back. Yeah, exactly. So the expectation is, yeah, they rebound. Um, do I think, though, that you, like, can let yourself go? Sure. You can do whatever you want. You are your own agent. If you don't want to work hard to have a certain physique, um, if you, you know, want to gain 10 kilos, go for it. But to expect then that another – that the person you're with isn't also allowed to have their own decision-making or their own reaction or response to it um, is bullshit. So I think that the idea of you going into a relationship and they're going to love me no matter what size I am, no matter how my personality changes, no matter who I later become, I think is not fair. I think you need to communicate, change, grow, and attraction is important. And I mean, look, Nat always says it to me. If I say to her, you know, if I put on 10 kilos, would you still love me as a, as a joke? but also maybe a bit serious. She responds back and says, I wouldn't love the person you'd become because there'd be, you know, my own, you know, I I wouldn't be happy with it or, you know, so I think it's less, it's not just about the weight. I think it's about a headspace that you're in. Um, But I think relationships are, you know, are, they're, they're relationships, so yeah. there needs to be two. That's the thing. I think we should clarify that. It's, <laughs> it's, oh, everyone's back, 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 yeah. Just throw the, just that. throw her in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, what I've always said to you, and I think it is reasonable to understand that, that if you just randomly gained 10 kilos, it would be what's going on for that to happen. Like who you are and the way you take care of yourself to all of a sudden just gain 10 kilos, it would be like there's something else undercurrently you know, lying in that. And that's the thing I always said, that's the conversation we would have. Yeah, I do want to put one clarifying point. Um, Post-birth, I cannot comment on that and I will not comment on that. So a a woman's body will change post-birth. Hormones change everything post-menopause. So I don't, everything I just said, is actually not focusing on yeah, that. But, but could you imagine if all of a sudden it became like, oh, she's got a sexy mum bod. But no one says that because women are always under scrutiny. Hmm. Yeah, like I think it's important in relationships. I mean, again, I'm no I'm no expert. I mean, I'm three months into a new relationship. Everything's going you know, really good right now. But I think in, in, in anything, it's like you need to understand each other's values because and, – and this is sort of how – uh, this is a story. I think I heard it from Dear Martini how he used to explain it. But he had a he had a um, client come in and they were having uh, relationship troubles because the the husband wasn't spending enough time with the kids, um, doing all these things, and the wife didn't like that he was always at work doing all these sorts of stuff. Um, she asked him, you know, do you know his high values? He's like, oh, obviously it's work. He's doing it all the time. Well, what are your high values? And she was like, well, spending time with the kids. Well, hypothetically. If he made his high values, your high values, would that mean that you would be able to spend as much time or would you have to be required to go and uh, work more? I'd have to work more. So that would deplete your ability to go and spend more time in your high value, right? It's, it's, and then she goes, well, yeah. So his it- high value actually benefits your high value. And I'm using that just as one instance. I'm not like... Don't say I'm like constructing that, but as like no, a no, social I'm just, thing. I just want to cut through and basically ask a really straightforward question. Would you date or stay with your current girlfriend if she gained 10, 15 kilos? Just what yes is your no. value? Yes or no. No, it's not, a, it's not a yes or no thing. Again, like, like, like you were saying before, 
with people's health, it's not as clear cut as you just put weight on, right? Because for that's most part, and even with the with with a lot of stuff right now, it's a lot of people don't hate their bodies. A lot of people don't hate their bodies. They hate their habits and their body just keeps reminding them of that. And I think it's then stemming from, well, what do you, anything that's over, um, overdone or over expended, like uh, too but, frequent a thing means that there's an, there's an avoidance or something or something's coming up. So you'd have to then as a, as a, as a, people or a, or a couple understand that if your values are changed or your priorities are changed or your habits have changed what's caused that you can't just go and dismiss it as like oh you put that on or what are this there's something that comes before that that needs to be looked at yeah, that's what i say to lisa like it would be all those those gradual changes but i think the answer in itself is that you do have a certain expectation because you do value health and that is one of your top values which is referencing that it is also hers and if that were to change that would be the problem i think we'd yeah for her and that's the thing is that we both have very very similar values and this is probably why uh it differentiates between a lot of the other other women that i've met not that they're um you know they weren't great people a lot of the women i've dated are exceptional like fantastic um but with with her, mine and her values are fairly similar and i think that we don't take each other out of each other's lanes yeah. because we're where uh our values are very similar if hers then changed again like i wouldn't be able to have the expectation on her hypothetically that she had kids and was busy doing this and busy doing that that she'd be able to have the same expectations of herself in that area because you have to have set realistic expectations around things before having kids and and after having kids that go and dictate well you can't go about things the same way but if there's been issues that have cause that then we need to as a as a couple be able to go and look at that and you just do just want to clarify like if you are in a relationship and you put on weight and your partner doesn't give a fuck totally fine yeah it doesn't <laughs> matter like it is not an objectively bad thing i think it like you said ben it goes straight to value so when i was saying you know if you put on weight that your partner has every right to respond a, a perfectly fine response is i love you anyway i don't care it doesn't matter like it's it's, I think it's just, yeah, each their own. You've got to be aligned and all that. Some people will care. Some, yeah, some people 100%. will care. And, and again, I, I'm personally not in that situation right now. And as much as it, it would sound great for me on this podcast to go and behave so noble and saying, you know what? <laughs> I, you know, I love you. Like, I don't know because that's not, like, I'm not yeah. there yet. So I can't judge people that have gone, you know what? Like, you've let yourself slip or this or that and the other. I'm not attracted to that anymore. Um, again, I'm not in a place to be able to go and, and, and demonize you for that because again, maybe you, you do really value those certain things. And, and again, I don't, I'm not going to have a position on that because I've just not, I'm not there. I haven't experienced that. I have experienced it. And so i I will openly comment on it. I was dating someone and they valued fitness. And so when I met them, uh, she was very fit, six pack, like really, what do you call it? Ripped. And then a year in. Became, like put on weight. I didn't care about the physicalness of like the putting on weight. I cared about the fact that this person became lethargic in her behaviors, you know? So like her headspace, what she liked doing, everything kind of changed. And the one thing that did change was the weight. That was kind of the least of my worries. She just became like a potato, like a couch potato. And so I think there's other things that go on. And so for someone then to say, well, you should love her no matter what or whatever, I think, I just don't think that's fair. I don't think you can change. 
So heading towards the back end and on, on that note, uh, there's nothing lonelier than the inside of a bad relationship. When you've both experienced breakups, what has been the number one lesson you've learned? Oh, I always have to start. Well, first. you were talking about <laughs> an number ex. One lesson. You were talking about an ex, <laughs> and I'm now your wife, so I feel like that was a very seemingly seamless transition. What's the biggest lesson I've learned? Yeah, in your breakup. I don't think there is. I don't have one big lesson. Like, don't date her again. I guess is probably my biggest <laughs> lesson. Um, but I don't think there's one big lesson. I think that you know, I've learned things about myself. I've learned that, you know, perhaps, you know, different barriers or boundaries are more important. I've learned how to be more emotionally equipped. I've, I've learned how to, I don't know, protect myself better and also how to not be an asshole to others. Were you responsible for her feelings in your breakup? How did you handle that? As in, was I responsible for her pain or like... Yeah, like I think that's the biggest problem that happens. A lot of people who you speak to who, let's say you're talking to someone and they want to break up with the person, they always say, but I just don't know how they're going to deal with it. I feel so worried. And all of a sudden we take on someone's responsibility when we are unhappy and we want to have that break. Yeah, definitely. And so like, I mean, I I broke up probably six months after I fell out of love because there was that whole psychology around not wanting to hurt someone. How do I do this? What's the best time? Um you know, Christmas is not the best time uh, from that's a lesson learned. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, it's a hard example to answer because I don't think I'm responsible for the way she felt. I think I'm responsible in equal part of the, de- of the demise of a relationship, but her feeling whatever she felt that was negative or positive from the breakup is not my responsibility. I have a responsibility to myself and I went into self care mode after that breakup because I'm my number one priority, even in a relationship. If I'm not good, you're looking at me raising an eyebrow, hear me out. If I'm not good, the relationship's not good. I agree, yeah. I agree. Okay, I agree. if I'm focusing on something else other than myself and I drop down, then, you know, but especially in a breakup, you need to protect yourself. You need to not be a dick, you know, and not exacerbate someone else's heart, like hurt or pain, but you also just need to protect yourself. Like it's hard. What was the question again? 30, yeah, right. <laughs> 30 seconds, Benny. 30 um, seconds. <laughs> when you break up with someone, how do you handle, like when you're dating a woman and, you know, you are at that stage where things need to change, transition, you're over it, but there is the, you do care. Like at the end of the day, any relationship you get into, there's always a segment, there's always a segment where you do care. You have given your something to that space. Do you take, do you handle their feelings at the same time as your own? Or do you just say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's where you're at. We're now two separate entities. I can only really, I, I've only had what I consider to be one other. Yeah, very big relationship. One other big relationship. And, and um, I, I didn't feel single emotionally for a good 10 months after. Oh, in terms of like you broke up and then you we, were at a point where you, you still were mourning that relationship. And the thing is that we broke up and, I, and it wasn't that I didn't love her. Um, I think you just, there's certain things that just can't be, uh, see, I've had one big relationship outside of Lisa and it took me so long. Like that's why there's, there's such a uh, humor when Lisa and I contrast our experiences in life because the way we've both dated women leading into our marriage has been entirely differently. Like I've never been that person who's like the way you get over someone is to get under someone else. Yeah. Or, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> 
But you know what I mean? Like I really experienced the loss, but that relationship has served me so very well in terms of who I've become. You know, so in heart, in, in heartbreak and breakups, I, I certainly always look for the lesson and that's just me. Oh yeah. With, with, with that, um, that, this relationship, I mean, I'm still on really great terms this seven years later and uh, she's one of the best people I've known. I'm very, I've, I, I wanted to be able to maintain her having some sort of aspect to do with my life because she's such a great person. It's just because that dynamic. But it wasn't straight away. No, it was tough. We were under under each other's noses. I mean, she was so close to my family, mm. and and to make it easier for myself, I, I didn't make it easier for myself on saying, "Hey, look, like, stop hanging out with my family," because my family cared and loved for her, and they loved being with each other and hanging out, and they were like sisters. And I I didn't try to curb that. Mm. It made things tough for a lot longer. She's in a great relationship now. If we hadn't called things when we did and dragged it out even longer, you know, she she may have not found this dude who's great for her. That um, you know, they're they're about to get married. They have he can give her what at the time I wasn't capable of, and I had to accept that even in amongst the fact that you know I still really valued it and loved it and had to run the risk of maybe she didn't want to have anything to do. Lucky enough. We we are still cool. We're not maybe not as in touch as as much as as much as what we used to be. But you know, you know, I, I think a- people would say that that's also healthy. Like I think there's levels of the way you should still remain intimate and close with your prior relationships when you're in a new relationship, and especially if they are too. I feel like lesbians have like got this whole best friends with your ex thing. I don't just I don't personally either. But like there seems to be this common thing. You meet someone. And you're dating them and they're like, oh, this is Sarah. We used to date. Or, and this is Melanie. We also used to date. Like there's this weird, I don't know, connectedness of lesbian relationships. I feel like that goes back to this, like the scene, which I've never been a part of. Don't know. Me either. I don't know if I missed anything. I don't know if I missed out on anything. But, um. My, my, well, I can't comment on that. (laughs) You've never been in the scene? (laughs) Uh, no. Um, obviously a lot of my friends are, are lesbians. My sister's lesbian. Um. So he's I cool get with the, I get the I, I'm, not, I'm not classed to be an expert, but I get like a little bit of I get a little bit of insight. Um, but no, I mean my relationship with with her afterwards was great. I mean I'd uh, hang out with her, her partner. We'd go to dinners. We sit next to each other. He he actually picked up my mum and took my mum to a wedding that we we're all at. So he picked up his girlfriend's ex boyfriend's mum and took her to a wedding. How very woke. I mean, well, this is this was years ago before you know. Before, so I was obviously still growing as I am now. Um, so you were challenged by that? No, no, I, I, I wasn't. I asked myself some questions and again, the ego does flare up. When I first saw them together, he, he, he came to a party at my friend's house with, with, with my ex and I thought that was really brave. And I was like, actually kudos to, cognitively, I had a hard time seeing it. When I first saw it, I spent a good few hours and I had to, I had to leave because cognitively I was having a hard time. We'd been broken up for a while, but to actually see it was, was tough. And I just asked myself some questions. I said in, in my head, Ben, you had all this time and you didn't try to get it back, right? Correct? Yeah. If he wasn't on the scene, would you want to get back into that, right? And I was like, well, no. So is this actually just an ego thing? I was yes. like, well, it 100% is. And after I asked those questions, it sort of just washed over me that it was just, 
I was just, it was male bravado bullshit territories type thing. And once that washed and, and I actually, you know, I, I one of the best friends at that time, I, like when we broke up, I was in a depression, you know, had low, low, low libido. She, she took on a whole heap of that sort of thinking that was her thinking it wasn't attracted to all those sorts of things. And it was like, it, it was, um, it was, it was definitely tougher. And I think back to that relationship now, seven years on, and sometimes it, it makes me really upset about the version that she got of me wasn't, it wasn't good enough for the person she is. I, I really value her and rate her as a person quite highly, even seven years on. She's one of the best people I know. And at the time I look back and I go, I, I, I had no emotional intelligence. The way that I showed up within that was just, I, I'm very disappointed. If, if, yeah, I'm very disappointed with how I showed up towards the back end of that relationship. I feel like the lesson there is for those women who always take on like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It's like nothing's fucking wrong with you. Sometimes you're just not meant to be with that person. Yeah, but also maybe something is wrong with you, but it's like there's things wrong with everyone in a relationship and it's not just all about you. Like I don't think you can walk away from things and go, there's nothing I can learn here. There's nothing to take away. Mm. I think introspection's always valid, yeah. but to put everything on your shoulders is wrong. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, my final question, you're standing in a room of 10,000 women, you're able to offer one piece of advice. What would you say, Ben, in 30 seconds? God, this is the thing with these podcasts. They always come up with the, like the hardest question. Who writes these questions uh, <laughs> at the end? Oh, is it in man. the context of dating or are we What's just saying anything? Yeah. Let's do it in the context of dating. Considering you're both struggling. <laughs> um, Come on, Lisa. Oh, it's oh. Wear protection for fuck's sake. Agreed. Agreed. The amount of friends, like straight friends I have who do not wear protection blows my I'm mind. I'm on the pill. I'm fine. No, there's STIs. Like, put a fucking condom on. Okay. Sorry. Benny, what you got? 10,000 women. What are you going to say? Same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's like, that's me. I need to take that advice. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, in a sense of dating. Just in a sense of anything. Come on. In a sense of all the women on the All the women are currently listening thinking, see, they shouldn't give us any advice. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this is why I surprised you had me on to talk about this stuff because I'm definitely no, ex no expert. But um, yeah, I, I think meet your, meet your own needs. Go to work to, to focus on meeting your own needs and you'll, you'll feel less inclined to, to waver to and, and give up your authenticity and alignment in in attracting someone honestly that's i want people to just focus on and i i have a lot of girlfriends and i, and I speak to them funny enough and they i know it's funny that they come to me adv advice even when i was single um and i just i just said you just go to work to fulfill as many of your needs and you'll feel less inclined to give up your own th authenticity yeah to be with someone else yeah Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you so much, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible. And all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.